0: The following audio is from Sandhills Community Church. More information about Sandhills Community Church is available at www.sandhillschurch.org. I've been teaching through 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6 of late, and um, thank you for last week, uh, Dr. Olshon, Dr. Croto, for uh, helping us with that. Um, So, I don't know about you, like, I hope that regular Bible reading is a part of your life. I hope you've met, just at some point, you've worked this out. And I don't know where it is in your life and how you work this out, but for me, it's mornings. Uh, I'll get up, I'll normally exercise a little bit, and then I get a, a cup of coffee and I sit down, and uh, I normally pull up the Bible on my computer, and, uh, and then I'll be reading uh, through the Scripture with a cup of coffee in hand and just, and just thinking through it. And you're probably, I imagine if you're doing this regularly, you're like me where sometimes you'll come across a verse or a passage and it's almost like Jesus taps you on the shoulder. I was like, "Hey, did you see that right there? That was for you. Like, I really wanted you to think about this scripture, this passage, this morning." And uh, and you'll just have these moments where you're like, "Yeah, I I, I hear you, Lord. I know you're speaking to me." And uh, in fact, I think one of those verses that I would say that I think he does that with was one we memorized in here. Some memorized Second Corinthians five seventeen without looking. Who here? And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call on you. I just want to see your hands. Who here would say I memorized 2 Corinthians five seventeen? I felt confident. I won't call on you. You can put your hand in the air. Who memorized it? So okay. So like four or five people. That's good. So here, here. Let's just let's just do this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Right. All right. So here's what I just found. It is like. 60, 75% of you actually knew that verse, uh, which means the rest of you uh, need to work, and those who didn't raise your hand were lying. So... um I appreciate that. I no, I get it. I get it. Just, you're like you're afraid I'm going to call on you, and I have a bad history. So I'll be honest with you. I like I get it. You're probably just being wise at that point. So that, but that's one of those verses where I feel like God slows you down. Like, no, think about this. This truth is is amazing. And so we've been reading through, and when we get to the end of Second Corinthians chapter five, we got to verse uh, twenty-one, and this would be one of those verses for me. And I think sometimes it's good to pause and reflect on a verse. I would, I, would, I would call it this, the pause that refreshes. That's sort of the pause. It's this idea that if I will just pause here, I'll, uh, I'll think about this a little bit. Uh, the Lord has something that he wants to teach me in this area. So for me, uh, that would be 2 Corinthians 5.21. That is, we're reading through 2 Corinthians 5. We're rolling into chapter six. But can we go back to 5.21 for just a second? If you have your Bibles handy, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, so for me, this is one of those verses where, you know, it's like I'm having this conversation with Jesus in my head a little bit, so I'm going through this. uh, And and it's like Jesus says to me, okay, did you see what was there? Oh, yeah, I totally saw that. And and it's like Jesus is saying to Jeff, hey, read that again. Okay, that's fine. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Got it. That's where I feel like Jesus would be like, okay. Read it again. I just read it. Like, read it. Okay, I'll do it again. For our sake, he made him to be... Okay, stop it. Like that. Really slow down, process, read the verse. Okay. For our sake. Well, for our sake. I mean, you know, who are we? <laughs> we're, we're the people that have rebelled against God. Our whole lives we've rebelled against God. In fact, when we look around, we are an undeserving people. It's not just that our ancestors rebelled and rejected. Uh, We have rebelled against the Lord and rejected him. For our sake, we deserve nothing. I mean, literally, like if we were to die right now and we stand before God and he sends us to an eternity in punishment away from him, we would say we deserve that. For our sake, we, those people, for our sake, he made him. Right, so now we have a couple of pronouns and we know that in the context of what we've been studying, this is about the relationship between God and Jesus and us. So for our sake, we undeserving people, He God made him not created Jesus, but but purposed Jesus to be sin. Oh wow used to be I mean Jesus, Jesus is anything but sin. Okay. He was born sinless and And uh, miraculously, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. I mean, he was tempted in every way as we are, but he was without sin. And then when he died, he was was still sinless. In fact, they crucified the only sinless person to walk this earth ever. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that. So that is, is a purpose but this is the point of what Jesus has done for those of us who don't deserve it so that in him oh in him those are big words like you read through the new testament you get you get in him in him is deep in him it has to do with all of the wealth that we possess because of our relationship to Jesus Christ that that when we submit to him and he becomes the lord of our life and we step into the family of God in him we have the wealth of the universe so that that's the purpose that for our sake god took the one who had no sin made him to be sin so that in him we might we we might not 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 conditional not not a realm of possibility like so that we would become the righteousness of god that we would become the righteousness of god why what are we doing the righteousness of god how could we be the righteousness of god i wouldn't qualify for that this morning right how can i be the righteousness of god that that that's why jesus came for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god this verse that we've been reading second corinthians 5:21 has within it such foundational truths to our faith that i would literally say you have just Heard one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. And if we're not careful, we we miss it. We just read on. Like, okay, what's next? So I want to pause this morning. So this morning, let's we're gonna do a little Bible college this morning. We're gonna do a little seminary this morning. We're gonna talk about doctrine. We're gonna talk about doctrine. Now, you, you may be saying, like, I ah, well, I don't know about doctrine. Like, listen, man, I just just I, I'm a cookies on the bottom shelf kind of person. Okay, like listen, if you've been to Sand Hills time at all you know I am also a cookies on the bottom shelf kind of guy. Uh, But some cookies are a little higher, and today we're going for a different batch of cookies, all right? Uh, Let's leave the cookie thing, it's making me hungry. All right, so when it comes to cookies, uh, no, I'm sorry, when it comes to doctrine, see, it's in me now. So when it comes to doctrine, this this idea that, um, this belief that I have, this set of beliefs that I have, that's doctrine. Um, Everybody has doctrine, right? It's just like this, everybody's a theologian. And you, you might say, I'm, I'm not a theologian. In fact, people have said that to me over the years. Like, I'm not a theologian. Like, oh, hold on. You are a theologian. You may not be a good one, but, <laughs> but you are certainly a theologian in that you have conclusions that you've reached about who God is and what he has said and, and what he's done and how you should respond. That is a theology. That's the understanding of the study of God. So everybody kind of has that. So this morning, what I want to talk about is this essential doctrine that has shaped our theology. And from this verse, we are exposed immediately to the idea of the atonement. The atonement. So when we talk about atonement, we talk about uh, to atone for means to make amends for, right? To, to fix, to make up for. So when we talk about atonement, biblically speaking, we're talking about dealing with the sin that is on mankind's account. That's what we're talking about. That, that has to be reconciled. That has to be fixed. Um, and, and so you might think about uh, maybe like this, that, that our relationship with God is broken. So this is why sin is so bad right? And even people who don't follow Jesus, people who say, I'm not a Christian, people who've never heard of it, people of another religion are still accountable to God because he's their creator and your sin is against your creator. And if, you're, if your sin against your creator isn't fixed, I don't care what religion you pick, you're, you're in trouble. The problem with all of this is that Jesus is the only solution offered by the creator of all mankind. That's why when we say everybody needs to be a Christian, everybody, all the other religions, they've missed it. You know, we, and we, we can say this unashamedly because we have what God has revealed to us. So this, this atonement, this fixing, think of it like a broken bone. Some of you have had broken bones before. Uh, my daughter, when she was three years old, broke her leg, blowing bubbles. True story, true story. Sitting on the front porch, three-year-old Callie Ann Philpott. Uh, front porch of the Philpot house, we had about nine steps down. Uh, she's blowing bubbles. She gets so excited. I mean, like one of the cheapest dates I ever had with my daughter, you know, you're sitting there blowing bubbles. She is so excited. I want to go show and tell mom about the bubbles that we're blowing. And so she jumps up, turns around, missteps, falls down, spiral fracture in her femur. Oh, good times. You want to talk about feeling like a bad dad, right? So blowing bubbles is too dangerous. Do not let your children blow bubbles. That's, what, that's the lesson here. No, seriously, it was, it was just a, kind of one of these horrible moments. So we end up going through everything. She gets x-rays, and sure enough, it's bad. And the doctor says, well, we're going to take her to surgery to set it. We don't have to cut anything, but uh, we're going to put it back, and she's not going to like that. So we're going to put her under, and then we will fix everything. And, uh, but he told me, he said, hey, Dad, I want you to know something. He said, um, when this heals back, her bone will be stronger than ever. Right, see, that's atonement this idea that that we are born into this world with a fractured relationship from our creator. And in fact, all of our sin just contributes to the fracture, if you will. Uh, And until that's put back right and set, that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus is the one who who reconciles that relationship with God, who sets it, and now that relationship with God is stronger than ever. That's that's the atonement. That's what it's done for us. And so um, it took him who who knew no sin, and he made him to be sin for us. Now, this actually references an Old Testament idea. If you have your Bibles handy, uh, let's go back for just a second to Isaiah chapter 53, a clear representation of Jesus in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53. And so I'm going to read for us uh, Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. Uh, but if you're turning there with us, no shame in using your table of contents. Nobody's going to judge you. Uh, do that. That's why electronic devices is so much better, because if you don't know how the Bible's laid out, you can cheat. Uh, Isaiah 53, let me read for us the first six verses here. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. Actually, I love this picture here. It's, it's like um, if we were going through a drought in Colombia, and you go outside and it is so dry that the mud has actually cracked. You know, that's when it's super dry. And coming up out of the mud, you see a little green leaf. And you look down at that, and you're like, oh, that's never going to make it. No, not in this drought. That thing's going to die. All right, so this is that's the picture of Jesus. That's never going to make it. Not here. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this, is, this idea of this, this heavenly thing that took place uh, steps into another theological word. Now I'm going to give you a good one. This is a good one. You gotta, this is one of those that you're gonna sound smart if you use it, uh, but it'll be better if you just understand what it means. All right, so now we're gonna talk about the idea of imputation, all right? Doctrine of imputation. You need to know this, it just sounds cool. Like, who here would say right off, like, I have no idea what imputation is. I'm just gonna be honest with you. All right, so, okay, good, thank you for that. And I appreciate all those who didn't raise your hand, but also felt the same way. So here's Imputation. Is this imputation has it's a it's a financial term. It can be a financial term uh, with the idea of a value that is assigned to something, a value that's assigned to something. So let's let's say this: throughout the course of your life, you meet somebody, and uh, it turns out that that what they do for a living is they are an appraiser. Right, they're an appraiser, and uh, they they can look at something, determines value, and they deal with auctions and stuff like that. So uh, you guys are becoming friends, and one day you invite them over to your house. And so uh, they come over to your house, and as you're bringing them in, you got to get some stuff out of your car. They're going to help you carry it in. Uh, and so uh, your, your front door is kind of jinky, right? So you've got to prop it open with something. You have this old uh, hunk of metal. It's in the little figurine, and you use it to stop your door uh, all the time. In fact, you got it from your mom and dad, and uh, you think your grandma probably had it at one point too. But you, you prop your door open. You're going to get stuff. Uh, but as you're doing this, the appraiser goes, hey, what do you got down there? You're like oh I don't know it's a it's a doorstop it's been my family for years we've always used it as, as kind of a doorstop and so the appraiser says uh, can I tell you something that figurine right there is probably worth about a hundred thousand dollars like, huh that is the last day that that's a doorstop right <laughs> that's that at that moment you're like ooh. okay so the idea is this now it has value it didn't have value before but somebody looked at it and they said oh That has value, and so now that it has a new value, it has a new value to you, and so it becomes precious. Okay, here's the thing: you're the doorstop; we are the doorstop. That is, we we didn't have a, a value before, but then through our response to the work of Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross, when we respond in faith to that, we are then assigned a value by a different appraiser, and he looks at us now and he imputes to us something, and then Jesus is imputed with something else. So um, Jesus is imputed with our unrighteousness, with our sin, right? So that value has been assigned to him. So the value of Christ then has been imputed to us. His righteousness has now been accredited to us. And so there's different values that take place. Jesus takes on our value. We take on his value. We have a new value. That's that's the imputation. Something else has happened in us now that is transformational. 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. See that reference to Isaiah 53. So, this is what the work of Christ has done for us. We have now been healed of our wounds. Jesus did that for us. So, therefore, then, Jesus has become our substitution. All right, substitution. Nobody stands before God on judgment day. At the end of the year, like we're all gonna die, right? That's what we know, we're all gonna die. The older you get, the more God gives you a preview, right? <laughs> that's, what I've, that's what I've noticed. Things just don't work like they used to. If you're young, enjoy your days. You know, it's a good time to be healthy, right? So um, as we get older, God reminds us we're gonna die. One day, we are gonna die. When we do, we step into another reality. We stand before God for judgment. Nobody is gonna appeal to their own goodness uh, as a means by which they would like to be judged. You know, it, you can't, you, you have never... God's requirement is perfection. So no matter how good you think you were in life, you're not perfect. So nobody is going to be able to do anything for this. So like we need a substitute because if I'm judged, I'm guilty. I'm, re- I'm guilty right now, right? So I need a substitute. In fact, we would talk about this. I, I need a substitute to make that atonement for me. We need substitutionary atonement. That's the words, substitutionary atonement. I need this the substitute that Jesus offers for me So that his sacrifice imputes me with righteousness. Therefore, my relationship, broken though it was, has now been mended and put right. So that now I can be reconciled to God. This is the idea of a substitutionary atonement. That Jesus has done this work for us. Now, having repaired our relationship, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that, purpose, so that we would be justified. Be justified. Now, justification, you have to think about, it's it's a legal reference. Uh, it, it It is a declaration made about us because of the finished work of Christ. A legal decision has been rendered, and the legal status of Christ, as reckoned by God, has been imputed to us. So this legal thing that has occurred now. So now in the courtroom of God, so to speak, Romans three twenty three through 25. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, declared righteous, by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a, oh, 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 love this word, as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, and we might say, I I inserted restraints, you know what he's referring to. In his divine restraint, he had passed over former sins. So when we look at this, this this declaration of what Jesus has done for us, I want to take us back to this idea that he's a propitiation. So propitiation is another another great idea, theological idea. This idea that if you think about theology, if you think about mythology, You have these angry gods that you have to make sacrifices, certain sacrifices to them so that they'll be satisfied. That comes from a biblical idea, that the wrath of God has been incurred because of our rebellion. That wrath has to be satisfied. And God has demanded a sacrifice, and it is a blood sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It is the blood sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. So somebody asked me one time, they said, hey, listen, did Jesus have to die? right? Couldn't Jesus have just shown up and said, y'all have messed up, but God's going to give you a second chance, all right? Do over. And then we just start fresh, right? Like that, why couldn't he have done that? Okay, so let's go to um, an illustration that that maybe will illustrate this. Okay, let's imagine, gruesome though it may be, let us imagine that one of your family members is murdered, right? And they they catch the person that did it. And you're wrestling with this, and it's breaking your heart. You don't know what to do with this, but you realize, I'm a Christian, God has forgiven me for so much. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm not just going to choose to forgive this person. I am. I'm going to choose to forgive them. But not only am I going to choose to forgive them, I'm going to become their advocate. I don't want any charges filed against them. them. I want them to go free. I don't want them to suffer any consequence for the thing they've done. I'm going to choose to forgive them. Now, though you appeal with all of your might, do you think the court system will throw out the case? No, because it's not just a crime against you. It's a crime against society. And so the crime against society has to be reconciled. See, at this point, you can sit there, yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to model forgiveness. Yes, you're, you are modeling forgiveness, but you are not modeling justice. Justice has to be satisfied. That is one of the inviolable laws of the universe that God has established. So though we may say, well, I would forgive somebody and I would not hold them accountable. Yeah, but here's the thing, that there's this law of the universe that has to be satisfied. So this is why the sacrifice of Christ can satisfy the righteous demands of God's judgment, justice. So God's justice has to be satisfied. It has to be accounted for. He he can't just say, you know, forget it. It doesn't matter. This is one of those rules, just like we have rules in our society. And so the sacrifice of Christ keeps the integrity of God intact by what he has declared. Hebrews 9.22 reminds us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So somebody has to pay. So if you were to ask me, did Jesus have to die? I would say this, Jesus' death and resurrection absolutely essential for our faith. Yes, he had to die. He had to die. I love what uh, theologian John Stott said. uh, God himself gave himself to save us from himself. That's one of those like, ooh, that's pretty good. You know, like, like Stumper right there. Like this is the cup of coffee verse. God himself gave himself to save us from himself. Way to go, Dr. Stott. That's awesome. So yeah, a great a great thought being expressed there. So when we think about all of these things now, for, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. None of these things are automatic. And I think that's one of the things I missed growing up is I felt like all this stuff was automatic, but it's not. Romans 5.1 reminds us there's a response required on our behalf. Therefore, since we have been justified, all right back to that legal declaration declared right before God, therefore, since we have been justified... By faith. That's that's a response. Faith means I'm I'm putting my belief in that, but I'm, I'm putting my trust in that. That's the point we all have to come to that day. Where, and many of us just say, "Well, you, you do that through a prayer, right? You come and you just say, listen, I actually believe this, God. I totally believe Jesus died for me.' So this expression of by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The day we look at that, and we say, "I believe. I'm in. God, I just want you to know, I'm in. I'm all in on this. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in our heart uh, that He's been raised from the dead." Uh, you know this, that we're in. That's what makes it, right? So this response uh, is fantastic because it ties into the idea of redemption. Redemption. See, that's another word. And it's, it's kind of an kind of unsettling word because of its history, because it has to do with the slave market. Uh, you got to go beyond the history of America. You got to go way back overseas when, when you would go and you need workers and you would go down and you just buy the ones you want. Like, I'll take that one over there. And so this idea that we, we are in chains, Right In this life, all of us, born in this life, we're born in chains. But these chains are chains of sin. That we're bound to sin. We are bound to suffer the consequence of sin. We are inclined to sin. And then at some point, Jesus walks by and says, hey, listen, if you want, I've already paid the price. i will be glad to take you as my own, but I just need to know from you, you want in. And at some point, some of us, hopefully all of us, have said, "I, I want in. And so he frees us. And we're like, I'm free. I'm finally free. It's like, no, no, no. You're not free, you now have a new master. Those chains were your master. now I'm your master now you, you come into my home, you do the things that I've called you to do. right You are freed now to serve the one who created you. That's the freedom now i I love all of this um all this uh, I love the the truth here, but in these deep words, but I I think maybe uh, an illustration is going to be better. And so here's what I need just for fun here. I need a volunteer. I don't normally do this a lot. I need somebody to come up here and help me out. And so, okay, great. Oh, come on up here, Flipper. We'll get to take you. Um, If you will come up here, please, I've got a gift for you. It's Not really a gift. You got to give it back when we're done, but that's okay. Um, So I think, I think this will help our illustration. All right, so come on up here, sir. And uh, the good news is you don't have to do anything but just stand here and hold a bucket. Isn't that great? All right, so uh, that's good, right? All right, so here's, here's the thing. The, the bucket, uh, and I get to be Jesus in this illustration, okay? You can just be you. Uh, but I get to be Jesus because I thought of this. All right, so in this, uh, in this bucket, right, is, there's nothing in here. The only way you get into heaven is if you have a perfect bucket. You have to be completely clean, totally clean. And so uh, let's just do your life here. Uh, so we're gonna, So you've just been born, right? You've just... Been born, and so he would say, "Oh, look! I've just been born. I've got like my bucket is like no, no, it's not. So uh, you've just been born. That's sin. All these are sin. That's all sin." And you'd be like, "Well, I just I was just born. How can I? How can I already have sin in my life?" And I would go, "Well, I don't. Let's see here. Oh, it says Adam. Yeah, uh, that's been handed down to you. Actually, you you bear the consequence of Adam's rebellion. You're actually born into this world sinful. So that's that's how. You're, and so the way it works then is this: that that as you go through life, we Hold that. Don't put your hands underneath. Uh, So as as you go through life, every sin goes in your bucket, right? Everything you do. Some are big. Some are small. But they're all rebellion against God, and they all count against you. And so as you go through life... That's day one, right? That's that's a bad kid here. Uh, So... You know, this, this idea that as you go through life, all these things are put onto your account, right? So now, when you get to the end of time, when you stand before the Lord, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, you don't get in. I, I, I just, it's, just, it's just clean ones only. So, but then you're like, well, there's only one person ever that has the clean bucket, right? Well, that's, that's Jesus. So Jesus does this thing for us where he comes by. He's like, Flipper, I gave my life for you. Hey, you want to respond in faith, buddy? I'll, I'll trade you buckets. Okay. You're like, well, that was easy. Okay, great. What's that? <laughs> all right. So then, so this this that just happened there, that was the cross. So when Jesus died on the cross, satisfied the payment of God by offering to God something Flipper didn't have, a pure bucket. So Jesus' sacrifice, because he was absolutely pure, was worthy. His never would have been because it was so stained with sin. But Now, here's the thing, though. So what happens now when he sins? Because I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, yeah, but if he sins, he may have gotten a clean bucket at salvation, but... What if he sins from this point? Because he's, we're going to assume he's... You've sinned since you've been a Christian, right? I'm just guessing. Okay, so it's this idea, like what happens now? Easy. That's what happens now. So all, all of the sin from here on out. So at the end of time, he gets there, bucket's still clean. That's how that works. And so when he stands before the Lord, the Lord's like, oh, another human, full bucket, right? He goes, not nah empty. Jesus traded with me. Like, oh, well, oh. welcome, Flipper. Enter into paradise. You know, so that's how that works. Uh, so thank you, Flipper. You can sit down. Let me give a round of applause there for, for Flipper. Okay, so for me, that's, that's theology in a nutshell. So that all the stuff we just talked about, when uh, we're going through uh, atonement and, and justification and substitution, substitutionary atonement, imputation, like all these things we're talking about, if, you, if you're saying like, I don't know that I can remember all those words, that's okay, I don't think there's a quiz on the way into heaven, uh, I just offer this for your edification. So if you're asking me like, so then why does any of this matter, so to speak, it just matters that you understand this. That at some point, you've either got to have the empty bucket you stand before the Lord with, or you're going to have one full. And if it's full, then you bear the consequence of all those sins. And that means eternal separation from God. This is, see, this is why Jesus, when he was absolutely pure and died for us before the Father, and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus in his humanity is processing this idea that I don't deserve to die, and yet God has turned his face from me. And he bears this, this unbelievable torment because of his separation from the Father, something nobody on earth has ever experienced. But everybody who is found guilty at the end of time will experience forever if they are cast away from him, bearing the weight of their own sin. But, but Jesus has paid the price for us so that we can stand before the Father and be pure if we respond in faith. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for these, um, these powerful, powerful truths. And um, God, we realize our, our buckets are full or have been full. And if not for the finished work of Jesus Christ, Lord, we would never be able to enter into paradise. We would never be able to know you and call you Father. So Lord, it is our prayer that, that even as we leave here today, that these truths aren't just things we know, but the are truths we live. They affect the way we view humanity, view ourselves, and follow you. Thank you, our Lord, our new master. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Sandhills Community Church. Feel free to share this with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information, please visit our website at www.sandhillschurch.org.